Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Hello, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast. This segment has been taken from Thrive Thursdays with Dr. Patricia Mills. I hope you enjoy this episode. And here is Dr. Patricia Mills. Hi there, it's Dr. Patricia Mills, and I'm very, very excited to be here and to talk about this very important topic on soy, to soy or not to soy. So I'll repeat this a few times during the presentation because a few people sometimes join in. But if you're joining me, please put your name and where you're joining me in from so I can say hi. And one of the benefits of joining me live in Facebook is you get to ask your questions. So please, please feel free to ask your questions. It really makes the conversation more interesting. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of other women out there who would have the same questions as you. So feel free to put that in, okay? So today, what I'm going to be talking about is um, whether or not we should be eating soy, soy products. Are they helpful or harmful? And then getting into the really like finer details of you know how to best incorporate soy into the diet to maximize the health and minimize any potential harms. And some of this you will know and some of this will be new to you. So pay attention. It's really exciting stuff. I had to really dig into um, some really recent research to um, be able to provide a really comprehensive view of this um, very controversial topic. Um, and this topic was inspired by a question that came up um, from one of the women in uh, the Facebook group. And I thought it'd be a great time to dive into this. Another way that this topic came up was um, when I do the elimination diet with my clients, um, when it comes time to reintroduce soy into the diet, we always wonder, like, what's the best way to reintroduce it to see if it's a food that's really compatible with my body or not? Okay. So first, what I want to do is I want to um, um, explain to you that the reason that the controversy of soy exists is because we are when we say soy, we think we're all talking about the same thing, but we're not actually all talking about the same thing. OK, because um, soy is a legume. OK, so it's uh, it's in the family of legumes. All right. So it's a plant. All right. And you can take that plant and you can eat it raw. You can soak it, right, um, for a period of time. You can um, cook it. You can ferment it. Um, and then you can take that plant. And, and that's, that's what I would call like natural processing. So there's like the whole food, the soy, and then you have the natural processing, which are like the ancient methods of preparing soy. So, for example, when you go to Asia, to uh, Indonesia and, and uh, you know, Japan and all these places that have historically had a lot of soy in their diet, they all had methods of 
um, preparing their soy for consumption on a regular basis, right? As part of their diet, like a regular part of their diet. You would not go into these countries and find them eating uh, these raw plants. They would, um, they always would um, do some soaking and some fermentation. So, for example, when people in Asia speak about eating soy, they automatically think about the plant that has been fermented. And so that's like uh, tofu, uh, some types of tofu, um, natto, tempeh miso, those are all fermented soy, okay? Um, and then you have um, what's called ultra-processing. So that's when um, a lot of research was coming out about the benefits of the um, products that were found in these fermented products. And um, so they were noticing that people who were eating these properly fermented products were, were having some good health benefits. So then um, what, um, you know, the food industry did is they took soy, not recognizing that there actually is a need to ferment. And I'll get into why that is. They took soy and they took that raw soy and they ultra processed it. So they took the bean and they, um, you know, they created flour out of it. They isolated the protein from it. So soy protein isolates, right? They took the soy and made soy milk, but not the fermented kind of soy milk, which is the kind that these countries take in. Is they always ferment their soy before they drink it as milk, okay? So, so when we're talking about soy, we have to um, distinguish the fact that there is the soy that is properly prepared with fermentation, there's a soy that's ultra processed to create like soy flour, soy oil, very ultra processed, um, soy protein isolates, unfermented soy milk. That's like a totally different animal, right? So this is one of the reasons why there's a lot of confusion around why we should be, whether or not we should be eating or drinking soy is because we need to get really specific about what kind of a soy are we talking about here, okay? And the other level below all of that is, what is the soy coming with? So um, the, uh, the fact is that a lot of the soy that is being grown in um, you know, the US, in Brazil, Argentina, these, these countries are using a lot of glyphosate a lot of uh, uh, pesticide called roundup for example which has a compound called glyphosate and glyphosate and its breakdown product ampa have been linked to cancer in humans that actually was proven in a court of law okay in the u.s google it bayer um, was a company and now monsanto owns so now it's under their umbrella and that was proven to cause cancer in humans and there have been suggestions like it's it's hard to prove causation because you're not going to get like a child uh, like one group of children and another group of children and feed them glyphosate and not the other and see how it comes out but it's been shown to have some links to things like all um, autism there's concerns with alzheimer's okay so Glyphosate is something that I personally, as, as an individual uh, who is really looking out for my health, right? I do not eat anything with glyphosate in it, okay? 
And the unfortunate reality is that glyphosate is sprayed heavily on soy crops, heavily, heavily sprayed on soy crops. And a lot of these soy crops were genetically modified to be resistant to glyphosate, to be able to withstand being sprayed with glyphosate. But we as humans are not genetically modified to resist glyphosate. So now you have the, this, this like finer distinction of soy that is organic and not sprayed versus soy that has been sprayed. And so you can have a person who is like, you know, trying to do a good thing and make these fermented soy products that I said were the kind that ha that were used by the um, traditional cultures like in Japan and Indonesia where they eat a lot of um, fermented soy products. Um, those cultures, they didn't have Roundup or pesticides in those days, right? So all of those health benefits are attributed to like, you know, naturally organically grown products without any spray. So now we're adding in um, if someone takes these sprayed products and uses that to make fermented foods, even though it's been fermented, the presence of those products of glyphosate and its metabolite like AMPA can, uh, does have the potential to cause harm in your body. Okay. And the unfortunate reality is that the soy milk that is in uh, formula milk for children that soy milk has been shown in a study like and this was done in Brazil where they took soy milk infant formula and they found glyphosate and its metabolite its breakdown products in that milk okay that is not good i mean that is really not good okay so there's a difference between a, a child who needs um breast milk who can't breast milk from the mother and then has access to a nice, clean, organic, fermented, soy milk-based infant product, I think it's a totally different animal when you're talking about soy milk that has not been fermented and soy milk that has unwanted companions like the glyphosate, right? And then the other level of distinction that we have to, that we have to acknowledge when we're talking about do I eat soy or do I not eat soy is in the realm of the ultra processed foods is that a lot of these ultra processed foods come with other unwanted companions. So soy burgers, soy cheese, um, you know, all of these like soy based products, um, they have other things like they have trans fatty acids. They have um, these like very unusual chemical compounds that if you start to read the ingredient label, like the other day I was reading the ingredient list of the soy cheese and it was like ingredient after ingredient of like really like I, it, chemicals that I would not want to put into my body. They're preservatives, additives, they're simple sugars that raise your blood sugar and imbalance your hormone insulin. They're the inflammatory oils, the oils that have been shown to cause inflammation um, by virtue of it, of taking them into our body, highly refined processed oils, and even soybean oil is um, it requires a lot of chemical processing to get oil out of a soybean in like large amounts. Unlike an olive oil, where you just literally squeeze the olive and the oil drips out, you need to really highly refine soy 
to get soybean oil out. So all nutrition and health experts will say, do not have soybean oil and do not have um, ultra processed foods that are soy based, like soy cheese and soy burgers, because just start reading the ingredient list and you'll start to realize that there's a lot more than just the um, question of, should I eat soy? It's like, um, you want to really look at all the other things that are coming along with that product when it's ultra processed and has a really long ingredient list. Okay. So now when I discuss, so I'm going to just take the group of ultra processed soy foods, which are soy milk that has not been fermented, um, infant soy formula, formula that is made with not organic, um, with sprayed soy. Um, I'm going to take all soy products that have made have been made with um, soy that has been sprayed with pesticides and all of these like long lists of ingredients soy products and I'm just going to take them and throw them in the garbage and I'm going to say do not introduce that into your diet as a healthy as a way to get the health benefits of soy because the harms are worse than the health benefits okay so just Take that and dump it. And I'm sorry because a lot of people are like, oh, but I love my soy milk and I love my soy based burger. You know, it's so I'm I'm vegetarian or vegan and it's the one burger that tastes like the real thing. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that. And your question to me is how to have it in a healthy way. That's not in a healthy way. So what is a healthy way? Okay. so now let's focus on the soy itself. Why? What is healthful about soy? So the nutrients in soy that are very healthful um, are, there's many, but the one that has been really studied is a family of nutrients called isoflavones. And isoflavones, there's at least three different kinds, genestane, datevane, there's like funny names to them. And they are called phytoestrogens. Phyto is from plants. And they are estrogen-like molecules found in plants. And in fact, they look a lot like one of our estrogens. It's 17-beta-estradiol which is an estrogen that actually attaches to and has actions on all of the different kinds of estrogen receptors in our body. And those receptors are like the receivers of the hormone estrogen. So the hormone estrogen attaches to them and it creates all of these beautiful um, cascades of events within the body. And that those receptors, um, the, the body tissues that are sensitive to estrogen that respond to estrogen are, are everywhere, like the brain, the breasts, the uterus, the ovaries, the testes the prostate, um, the gut, uh, the liver, your fat cells, your brain. I said that already, but that kind of fascinated me. The heart, the blood vessels. Um, it's like spread throughout the body. So when you take in a food like uh, that has isoflavones, for example, you are creating an effect on um, inside of the body. However, uh, and the research shows that the effect from these organic, well, properly prepared fermented foods with soy in it, like with soy-based foods like natto, tempeh, tofu, miso, those when, when the study is directed at that, the health benefits are positive. They're either neutral or positive, okay? So it's been shown to help decrease the risk of breast cancer. It's been shown to help with bone health. Um, like it's, it's really quite amazing. There's quite a few effects. The, the one time where there was a negative effect was when they had mice that did not have ovaries and their immune system was damaged and they gave them isoflavones and those rice um, got sick. Okay. Those mice got sick. Okay. 
But then they took the same mice, but with ovaries and with a, a really good iso, uh, immune system. And those mice did not get sick. They did experience the health benefits. So, um, so if you've had your ovaries removed for whatever reason, perhaps that would be a good reason to not have soy in your diet. Or um, So that's an interesting kind of thing. But that was in mice, not in humans. So we can't necessarily apply that. However, those isoflavones need to be uh, absorbed by the body. Okay, and um, in order for those isoflavones to become available to the body, the the soybean needs to be properly prepared. It needs to be soaked, and the research is like an overnight soak or, or a twenty four hour soak, um, and ideally fermented because the fermentation process changes the molecular structure of the plant so that it's able to release the isoflavone. So that the body, your body can then absorb it. Okay. So really, really important to understand that. So when, um, when someone who's making an ultra processed food, like a soy milk um, that hasn't been fermented or a soy protein or a soy burger, or a soy cheese, whatever that is, I can guarantee you that they're not taking that soybean and soaking it and fermenting it and taking that. They are taking the soy bean and directly processing it, you know, dehydrating dehydrating it, turning it into powder and using that into its into the products. All right. So you're not getting the benefits of isoflavones in these ultra processed foods. Okay. The other thing to understand is that every single plant has its nutrients and its anti-nutrients. Okay. What are anti-nutrients? Anti-nutrients are chemicals like molecules that the plant itself makes. It's an intelligent system within nature to make sure that it's not overeaten by other animals. So you can eat a small amount of it, but if you eat more of it, it starts to hurt you because you get a greater concentration in your body of these anti-nutrients. And you may be familiar with some of them. Lectin has become a really, really well-known one, but there's other ones like phytate, um, vicin, uh, saponins, alkaloids. All of it's like a whole family of, of chemicals that the plant produces within its seed, the, the bean, right? The legume, the grain. So this exists in whole grains. It exists in, in legumes, in nuts. Um, and um, so there's ways that, the, that humans have evolved. Um, and over that evolution, we've learned that there are certain things we can do to that plant to make it so that those anti, the content of anti-nutrients go down. And actually, when that happens, the content of nutrients goes up because a lot of the nutrients is actually stored within the anti-nutrient. And when the anti-nutrient gets broken down, the nutrients are released. So it's like nutrient goes up, anti-nutrient goes down. It's beautiful. It's actually beautiful. And that process is triggered during sprouting because the plant that the seed can't grow can't sprout with that amount of anti-nutrient in it so when the seed gets a cue to sprout which is usually moisture right so the seed falls into the bean or the nut or the seed falls into the ground and then the ground gets um, rain and the rain um, moistens the seed or the nut or the grain and then it sprouts there's an internal chemistry this beautiful internal chemistry orchestrated by Mother Nature that causes those anti-nutrients to change in molecular structure. There's like a chemical change and they actually release. So in soy, 
it's very interesting that the, there's a couple of them I'll focus on phytate, but when phytate gets changed, and it actually releases phosphate and inositol, which are very, very helpful compounds for the human body. Okay, so you get this like multiple benefits when you properly prepare your um, soy, where you um, decrease the content of anti-nutrients now and you increase the content of nutrients. Now, what do those anti-nutrients do to your body? Well, that phytate, for example, or those saponins, they are actually like toxic. Um, they can go, they go into the lining of the gut and they can bind into the lining of the gut and they can actually cause reactions that destroy the lining of the gut. So there are some individuals who are on like a plant-based or plant-focused diet who are eating a lot of whole grains, legumes such as soy, nuts and seeds. They're not aware of this. They're eating them frequently daily in large amounts and they, over time, they initially feel well because they're detoxifying from like excess animal protein or whatever that might be. It's plant, you know, plant foods are very cleansing. So you do initially feel very good. The fiber and the phytonutrients are very detoxifying cleansing. But then you reach a tipping point where you have so much of those anti-nutrients coming in because you're not aware that you should be soaking your whole grains, soaking your quinoa, fermenting your grains, um, soaking your nuts and seeds, right? Soaking and fermenting your soy. Okay. And then what happens is that, that 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 slow but steady erosion of the gut lining over time can then cause uh, leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability, which is what the doctors like to say. They don't understand leaky gut, so you know, don't throw that at them. They're just going to immediately go, I don't believe you, right? But intestinal, increased intestinal permeability, they understand. So, um, so you can be eating what you think is a, a healthful diet, but slowly unknowingly uh, causing um, like in injury to the lining of your gut, developing leaky gut, and then you start to get food sensitivities, poor digestion, either diarrhea or constipation or a mixture of both. Um, you start to feel swollen. It's hard to maintain your ideal weight because that causes inflammation in the body because now things that are in the gut that should stay in the gut start leaking out into the body, into the blood, and that causes a whole chemical reaction that is not good. Topic for another day. So Let's get back to basics here. What kind of soy should you eat if you're going to eat it? Okay. So um, first of all, you want it to be organic soy, uh, organic soy. Then you want it to be fermented. And you're probably not going to be doing this at home on your own. So you're going to start reading ingredient lists. So for example, um, I buy this miso paste. There's a little bit of it left because uh, I don't eat a lot of it, but I have a little bit every week. And uh, the ingredient list is organic soybeans. Komi koji, uh, which is a rice, and the aspergillus oryzae, which is what ferments it. So what ferments it is a mold. They add a specific kind of mold to the soy, and that's what ferments it. So when you see things like aspergillus oryzae, aspergillus is a mold. That's just what's causing the fermentation. And sea salt. So you can see very small list of ingredients, very, very clean and healthy. So you have to start reading the ingredient lists of your products and you just want to see organic soybeans, whatever ferments it, the aspergillus, um, sometimes it's the Saccharomyces cerevisiae, like, you know, it's the, you can might have to Google, is this the yeast or the, the mold or the yeast that's being used to ferment it? And there might be some like olive oil, some water and some sea salt. And that would be a really good product. Okay. So. Is organic tofu fermented already? 
that depends on the company making the tofu. You would want it to be fermented. So you may need to do a little bit of homework and call the, um, the company and actually say, is this like, how do you prepare your tofu? What do you add to your tofu? What's in the ingredients to your tofu? Do you ferment it or not? And typically tofu, my understanding is that tofu is um, uh, a properly prepared tofu has been at least soaked for at least 24 hours and then cooked and, uh, and either fermented and, and cooked or, or cooked. Okay, so you want to understand how they're processing your food. And then the question is, um, and Ronnie, uh, I'm answering your question. So thank you for asking. So you asked, where do you get the organic types that are raw and soak them yourself? So no, I do not prepare my own soy. Um, the one time that it's okay to eat small amounts of raw soybeans is, and they're not raw really, but it's the young soybean pods. So the edamame. So the young soybean, um, when, you, when you boil it, right, and you cook it down, you can eat that in small amounts, but that's not something that you should be having in massive amounts. So a couple of times a week in small amounts. And then when you look at recommendations, um, like, you know, so you look, so the recommendations are hard because the research doesn't really tell you how much the research is done on like massive amounts of, to, of uh, soy. So when they do research on tofu, it's like a pound of tofu a day. That's way too much. That's not how much, how much tofu, for example, um, these more Asian country, these Asian countries who typically eat it. If you observe their dietary habits, they'll have one or two small servings a day, like, you know, very small, right? So if you've ever been there, it's a little bit of miso, it's a little bit of tofu. It's not like these massive amounts where we get like a huge chunk of tofu. The other thing to understand is that soy is a plant and it does raise your blood sugars, okay? So I tried this myself the other day. I had my nice organic tofu that was um, uh, with a soup with vegetables. And I put in the same amount that was at a, like a local vegetarian restaurant. And it was like that much. And I ate it and my blood sugar just went through the roof. Okay. So when you're eating soy and you have a plate, okay, you're looking at your plate, about 80% of it should be vegetables. Okay, properly cooked, like, you know, with a little bit of olive oil or whatever healthy oil that you want to put in. And then 15 or 10% of that can be your quality protein from soy. Um, but I think in it, we, we Westerners kind of tend to overdo everything. We like when we do it, we do a lot of it. So this is something that you need to do in moderation. So you want to find the Goldilocks zone, small amounts. You don't need to overdo it and you don't need to eat it every day, even a couple times a week in small amounts would probably be enough to get the health benefits. However, if you do want to eat a little bit every day, like think of it like, you know, a small amount, smaller, like palm of the hand, you know, once or twice a day. Um, and that would be, that would probably be enough. You know, the interesting thing about estrogen from plants is that they are not the estrogen, like from plastic, like estrogen mimickers from things like plastic, where that estrogen goes into the receptor, the receiver of the estrogen and stays there. And it keeps activating the cell to do its estrogen job. Whereas phytoestrogens are more like our estrogen. It goes in, it activates it, and then it releases. So it is a healthful phytoestrogen. However, you still don't want to have too much of it. So you don't want to overwhelm your system with too much estrogen-like component. Now I'm going to answer a few other questions. Ronnie is asking, what is the best protein other than soy that you would recommend? I need a lot of protein. 
And I just want to make sure I understand. So I do bodybuilding plant-based. It is really, really hard um, to get healthy amounts of protein in with, uh, without having some source of animal product. So for example, even people who have like fish in their diet or like choose to eat one type of pro- like, like chicken or something like that, like a pasture chicken or a wild caught fish immediately as soon as you introduce that into your diet you can get enough protein if you have no animal um you know protein in your diet then it's really tough and i do not recommend um protein shake protein powders okay protein powders have a lot of one particular building block of protein called leucine it's an amino acid called leucine and leucine has been shown to really spike the insulin hormone and insulin hormone overactivity, like too much insulin hormone, has been linked to eventual development of type 2 diabetes, polycystic ovarian syndrome, problems with fertility and menopause, problems with hormone balancing, problems with Alzheimer's. Um, so I personally avoid protein powders, period. I just, I don't go there. So then you're looking at things like things that have, like everything has protein, right? Like bananas have protein. That's why people get food sensitivities to plants and vegetables because they all have protein. The problem is that you'd have to eat a lot of those things and then you typically start to unbalance your blood sugars because those proteins in plants come with a lot of carbohydrates. So, um, you know, you're going to need to do things like um, really balance it out with healthy fats. So getting some um, like tahini, some like, you know, getting some uh if you don't have a sensitivity to nuts, you would do like nut butters, but look at the oils. Like if the nut butter comes with sunflower oil, um, you don't want to have that. You want nut butters. Like um, I found a pumpkin seed uh, butter that was made with pumpkin seed oil, not sunflower oil or canola oil or soybean oil, for example. But I can tell you that it is much, much more challenging to get the adequate amount of protein in on a plant-based diet. Um, however, I think if you're intentional with taking your grains, like for example, oats have a lot of protein in it actually. And if you take your grains and you soak them, so the way I prepare my oats is I soak them overnight and I put in a few capsules of Saccharomyces boulardii, that's B-O-U-L-A-R-R-D-I. It's a type of, um, it's a type of yeast that helps ferment the oats. And then the next day I just drain the water and then I add some water enough to make it the consistency that I want. And I cook it up and I add some cinnamon, a little bit of turmeric, a little bit of sea salt. And I have ferment overnight fermented oats. You can look up overnight fermented amaranth, all of those things. So you're basically going to be doing a lot. Of, you're going to have to put in the effort and the time to properly soak and ferment your um uh, nuts, your uh, seeds, your legumes, and your whole grains in order to release the anti-nutrients because the anti-nutrients also get in the way of protein absorption. All right. So that's really, really important to understand too. So I'd almost have to do like another talk on how to properly prepare your foods, but I hope that really understands. And uh, Ronnie's asking, can you get that at a health food store? Um, uh, I mean, you can get the whole grains and you can get those things at a health food store, but you have to do the work usually to properly prepare them or find like health food restaurants that understand the concept of soaking and fermentation. And I found some restaurants will have like a soaked and fermented um, oat um, 
uh, like oatmeal, okay? And do they need to be raw, right? Um, I'm not exactly sure what you mean. They, oh yeah, I see. Yeah, all of those grains and all of those nuts and seeds should be raw. They shouldn't be roasted or previously cooked. And then you soak them and ferment them and cook them the next day. So in my house, I always have some nuts soaking. I have some oats fermenting overnight and I have my rice um, soaking over during the day. And basically that's how humans have cooked their meals up until like 50 years ago when we lost those ancient traditions and that ancient um, wisdom. So I do have to, um, uh, I have a time limit on how long I can do these talks on Facebook. So I am going to wrap it up. This was a very important introduction so that you would ha have your eyes open to this. So I hope you enjoyed this presentation. I hope it served you. Hope you have a really wonderful rest of your day, evening or night, and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you and I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. <laughs>